Um, well, you know, I, I was at the church and I saw Cheryl's grandson. <laughs> and I knew. I knew then, you know. No, I was probably like five or six. Like, <clears throat> now, yeah, of course, when you're that young, you don't really know, but, you know, kind of know what that is. But I remember being like five or six, like looking at boys and um, men on TV and stuff like that. So I was like, okay, well, maybe, you know, there's, uh, I'm just looking at them. Then you get to like 10 and then you get to 15, you know, old age. Then you're like, okay, yeah, I know what this is. So <laughs> I knew from, from like being really young that that's what it was. Um, of course, well, I, I won't say everybody, but I, I will say like for me, I did try to try to like deny it, um, and not even to other people, but kind of like deny it to myself. Like, no, that's not what it is. Mm. But then at some point, I was just like, "Hey, don't just just give it up, baby, and do what you got to do." <laughs> okay, makes sense. Okay, did you have a hard time telling your friends and family about your choice? So. The funny thing is, I don't, <clears throat> I don't know if I ever just actually said it. I just started having friends that were, <laughs> that were, um, I guess, the, I guess it would be safe to say, more comfortable with it than me. And so everybody kind of just figured it out. But like, I have cousins that will say, um, everybody already knew. We just kind of nobody ever said anything, and I never said anything. So. Like I said, I don't think I ever really just came out. There was, I don't think there was a point where I ever really just came out. I just ended up, like, um, having friends, like I said, that were comfortable. So they would come around, and then I think probably the next thing I did was pop up with a boyfriend, and it was like, oh, okay, you know. <laughs> <laughs> there was no announcement. It was just like, I don't know. <laughs> but, yeah, there was no, like, coming out announcement. Um Mm -hmm. And I probably did, like I said, I had my friends, that was in high school, but I think sometimes even um, at those ages, people won't, like your family members won't really ask or say much because they don't want to offend, you know what I mean? Right. Like, because they, they go to ask if one of your friends gay and what if they're not gay, you know what I mean? So they just avoid those questions altogether. And so I think I probably was like, Maybe twenty one. No, I was nineteen with my first boyfriend, and so that's that's pretty much I would say when I came out. Okay, uh, it wasn't an announcement. I just kind of popped up with a boy. <laughs> <laughs> and when you popped up with a boyfriend, did anybody give you a hard time or question you about it? So the the great thing about that is I have <coughs> an aunt <coughs> who was actually my cousin's mom. Um, and she happened to be gay. And so she made it a lot easier because at the time I was living with her and my cousins. And so she made that transition a lot easier because it was kind of like, oh, I'm able to be comfortable at home. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so it made it a lot easier to be able to go to other family members or be around other family members because I think that um, establishing the comfort at home made me comfortable to go other places and be around other people. 
Hmm, that's nice. Okay. Do you believe that being gay is a choice? Or do you believe people are born that way? I love this question. Okay. Um, so, <clears throat> I'm going to say, especially based on my experience, um, I believe that you're born that way. I, I think that when people say that it's a choice, and now, not to say that some people, and, and uh, it, it's not, the whole choice thing is hard for me because it's like, just say a person is straight, mm-hmm. okay, and they and and not to get too crafty, but if a man doesn't like a man, if a man doesn't like men, they're not going to be aroused by a man or a woman's not going to be aroused by a woman. You can't choose to be aroused. You know what I mean? It's not like you can say penis get hard or vagina get wet. You know what I mean? It's not something you can kill yourself to do. So it's kind of like a natural occurrence. I mean, like, if you're not attracted to God, I don't see you making a choice to say, I want to be attracted to God, but I want to be attracted to women. It's uh, For me, I think it's just a natural, it's a natural occurrence. It's something that, that um, is already within you. Like, I hope that makes sense. Like, <laughs> yeah. I just don't think you can, that. It would be just like me. If I was to, to try to choose to get a girlfriend or, or be with a woman, I wouldn't be aroused by it. And I couldn't choose to be. Because I feel like, I feel like people don't understand that and, and I'm talking for as far as like black gay community. Okay. We already have the the um, the world on our shoulders being black men, and then when you add being a gay black man into that, there's a whole nother weight of another world that you have on there. So I don't I don't think that many of us would make the choice if we could choose to take on all that comes with being a gay and black man. Hmm. You know what I mean? We don't have a choice when it comes to being black and carrying that weight of the world. But if we could choose not to be gay, I just don't think a lot of things would take on all of that extra weight that comes with it. Hmm. Wow. I hear you. I actually, I hear you. Do you think in some circumstances that an experience, a childhood experience or any, any experience could cause, I don't want to say cause, but could lead. I get it. Okay. Um, So, you know what I do think? I don't know if it could cause you to, because I will say I I had, I did have an experience like that. But I was maybe 10 or 11. So the way that I felt was years before that even happened. But I, you know what I will say that I do feel like? And I'm saying, again, in the black community, I feel like a lot of the homophobia in the black community comes from um, people are, are when, that were touched or molested when they were younger. And so they feel like uh, they they built a homophobia based on that. But I also try to tell people that um, pedophilia and homophobia and, and homosexuality are two different things. Hmm. 
So a person that touches you is a pedophile, whether they're straight, gay, whatever they identify as sexually, they're a pedophile. And so as you as people grow up, instead of identifying that as pedophilia, they they look especially if it's like a, a guy who was touched by a, a guy. They link that to the person being homosexual, which the person may not even be homosexual. They can just be a pedophile. Right. Pedophiles like kids. And it doesn't matter that it's a boy or a girl most of the time. Whatever they have going on, you know what I mean? They like kids. Right. So I think a lot of the homophobia in our community, even though a lot of people will never say that somebody touched them when they were younger because they don't want to, they don't want one, we don't talk about that often. Um, you know, they have, they have an uncle in a family that everybody just... Some people know, somebody may know. Um, so I think in our community, at least, I can speak on that. I feel like that's where a lot of the homophobia comes from. And linking that to people being homosexual rather than them being pedophiles, whatever their sexuality is or what they or are attracted to. They are a first. You know that that's very powerful, and I'm grateful that you cleared that up because a lot of people make that comparison. It's like they go hand in hand, you know. So and I'm they, sh- yeah, and they do not. Yes, and they do not go hand in hand. It's not. It's it's not fair to label. A, per, a homosexual person as a pedophile just because of their homosexuality. That's yeah, not. That's okay. not right. Well, yeah, and I, I'm glad that you get where I'm coming from with that, and you agree because, I, like I said, I think that's the way. Because you know, a lot of times you hear people like, especially right now, with so much kind of going on in the media, you hear. People saying, why are people who are not gay so worried about what gay people are doing? Why are they so homophobic? They are <clears throat> homophobic because someone did something to them when they were young. That hate, it comes from that. You know what I mean? Mm. It comes from somebody doing something to them when they were younger and them not being able to differentiate between that person being a homosexual or a pedophile. Um, and it's really a thing, like you said, that people, are, it's kind of like, they have it like synonymous, and it's really not. They're, they're not the same. Right. Hmm. True, true, true. I have to, I definitely do agree with you on that. And it's, I wonder if, like, whenever you've had this discussion with other people, is it, like, a hard sell? Like, do you have to really try to convince them of what you're saying? Or is it just, like, oh, yeah, that's common sense? You know why it's a hard sell? Um, because nobody wants to, not nobody, but very few people want to admit that anything happened to them. Mm. So <clears throat> it's like you're talking to a group of people, and just, I'm just, this is me making up a number. These are not, like, factual numbers right. that I've gotten from anywhere. Hypothetically but speaking. Just say, yeah, just say you're talking to six people. Three of them may have been touched when they were younger. So, and when you say touched, you mean sexually so, molested? 
Yeah, like they molested or whatever, you know, okay. touch, play with molesting. Right, right, right. And so it's, it's like you're talking to six people, those three, and they have never spoken about it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's never been addressed. So it's like they're, they're going to um, negate what you're saying. Oh, no, I don't know. I don't think so. Blah, 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 blah. You know what I mean? Because they are in denial about that. Um, and so I feel like a lot of times when it is debated, it may be people who have um, tried to re- repress something or, or get something out of memory or, or just let something go. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it's like you have to... Um, I think when when you when you feel away about something like that, you have to approach it in a way that's not combative to people that don't agree with you. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's really you're really trying to it in the same breath that you're trying to get them to see your point. You're also trying to get somebody if this is the person, if the person that you're talking to is one of the people that you you know that that this would uh, refer to. You also kind of want to get them to to see that because um, that's a trauma, and I think that that that's something that you, if you're living with it, no matter how so some of these things, no matter how you how hard you try to like put into the background they affect you and the way you interact with people, the way you deal with things. It's like homophobia. That's that's a hate. Hate is not something that's like, it's not like a natural, um, that's something that, that affects people and they don't realize it. So I think, um, in the way that you, and I tell one of my friends this all the time, when you're trying to get somebody to see your point, talking down to people, or belittling people, um, it's it's gonna be hard to, to help to to get them to see where you're coming from. Right, they're because gonna they have their guards up. Attacked. Right. Okay. Yeah, so you have to you have to come in in a way that um, is receptive. That's gentle. Right. Yeah, because that's it's like we you're, you're literally talking about trauma, so you can't really come in in attack mode and. Well, this is how I feel, and blah, blah, blah. if you don't feel, no, like, we're, we're having a, a conversation that, hopefully, that would hopefully lead somebody to healing. Um, because that, that's something, like I said, that will help them maybe start to identify that that's, a pro- that that's traumatic for them, and they can go and get help, you know? Right. So I honestly... <clears throat> I'm sorry, and, sorry, Travis. So to explain to our listeners that don't know what DL is, DL is like a download man that I'll let you, I'll let you, I'll let you explain. Uh, DL is a download man that um, that engages in sexual activity with men. Um, a lot of times they are not, no, well, they believe that nobody knows. They haven't <laughs> actually come out to anyone. <laughs> They haven't actually come out to anyone or they don't consider them. A lot of them don't even consider themselves to actually be gay. And so they just 
it's like um like them them saying that they enjoy some sexual activity with men, but they're not gay. Um, so my I, I don't have much experience in DLV. Like when I was younger, right? Um, I had probably dealt with a few, not really realizing initially that they were doing. Mm. But I feel like I'm the type of person that um, is a little too, uh, I guess, maybe vibrant, <laughs> for lack okay. of a better word. But even, yeah, I'm, I'm a little too meek to, to, to even deal with anybody that's DL. And, that, and I'm, I'm saying that <laughs> in regards to myself as well as them. You know what I mean? It's not just me saying, oh, a DL person wouldn't like me because I'm a little too this. It's me saying I'm too proud of who I am and too, too now and and let me let me say that in a different way because that that's not how I want that to be conveyed. Well, no, I like am. how I'm understanding it, and then for sure you'll go and explain what you're saying, but you're not saying like you're too good or anything. You're just saying like you're comfortable within yourself to try to hide yeah. who you are. Yeah, yeah we get yeah. you. Found myself to be um, understanding of people's situations very often. So I can see like sometimes people not being comfortable coming out because, like I said, that's like a whole nother weight of the world, especially for black men. Um, so I understand that. Um, but I also think sometimes a lot of it, a lot of that is rooted in them wanting to feel superior to other gay men. So that, that's where my, um, that's where the, the line comes in for me trying to decide how I feel about it. Cause it's like on one hand, I know some people just have a fear of coming out, but then on the other hand, I've seen or, um, experienced the, the men who are DL and use it as them being superior to men who are out or who are more flamboyant. And I've also like, kind of just noticed that a lot of times I don't know if they know but a lot of those DL men have very feminine they're just as feminine if not more than a lot of guys who are like out you know what I mean I yes. think I think like the DL experience like I said for me I, I've, I've not really had too much experience in it but because I'm in the community and have been out so long I do I do I've seen it more than I've actually experienced it for myself. I'll say that. Mm -hmm. My experience with it is not my own experience. It's um, experiencing it around me or from people that I know. Right. Because I've never, it, that's never been something that I, I thought or that I was seeking out. No, yeah, I was, it was always, I was always um, with people who were comfortable um, comfortable being out, comfortable being gay. Um, so I, I don't have, like I said, very much experience dealing with it personally, mm -hmm. just through other people and stuff like that. Right. I know a lot of people... And what, did I even answer the question? What? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you answered the question. The question was basically, what was your thought on DL men? And you 
definitely okay, elaborate. Because okay, yeah. <laughs> I know some people, like, some guys swear by you. Oh, I don't know what I mean. And, and, I'm, and these are guys that are, like, super feminine. They swear by them. And I'm like, you know, I mean, to each his own. But for me, like, out and shout. <laughs> <laughs> right. There's... There's a difference between a, a DL man and a man that's just not out yet. Because from like a woman's perspective, we view DL, well, I can't say we and speak for everybody, but from my understanding and from my views, DL men are kind of viewed as deceptive because it's yeah. like you're over here sleeping with a man and most times not using a condom because using a condom will make a like a DL man feel homosexual. That's what I've heard. Uh-huh. That's what um yeah, oh so you've heard that also. Okay, yeah. good. So yeah. and then it's like but then they're married with children. You know what I mean? So yeah. that's totally different than a man that's just not out. A man that's just not out is respectable. Oh, yeah. You know that's what I mean? Totally yeah. And then it's like to anyway, don't <laughs> don't get me started, okay? <laughs> Now that that is that that's the so yeah that 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 is that's extreme deal um, <laughs> extreme deal <laughs> no that is that's why because they have some guys that only mess with guys that are still deal you know but that's like but wait though wait and I and um, I guess like you said though I th- I guess you would consider those guys just not to be. Yeah, because a DL man oh, claims yeah. he's not gay. Like he he has sex, yeah, yeah, yeah. unprotected sex with men, but states he is not gay. You know, so yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, that would be yeah. I agree with that. With that, that would be considered DL, and then a guy who is just not out usually mess, messes with guys only. Yeah, DL men usually straddle the fence with. Yeah, that's that. what they're known for. They gotta have a, a beard. That's what they're called, beards. Yeah, a beard. Yeah. yeah. And honestly, like men, and I, I, mm-hmm. I'm missing. I think that's wild to me too. Um, not so. I feel like sometimes I don't know. That's a deep. <laughs> You're like, uh, uh-uh, uh, that doesn't apply. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's a deep subject. Cause like, I, I mean, I've always felt like. And like I said, I try to put myself in other people's shoes. I've always felt like, well, why not just be single and do your thing? You know, uh, but hey, I can't speak on an experience that's not mine. I just, I, I, I will say that I don't, I, 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 I can't, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I feel you. I can't speak on that experience that's not mine because I, I, like I said, I've always felt like, why not just be single? Um, then you can kind of do what you want to do, but people, I don't know. Oh, you know why? Okay. Okay. Because this is why a lot of them cannot be single because of the positions that they hold. So for example, there is the pastor at the church. You know what I mean? He needs a first lady or else. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So. Okay. So we're going into that. <laughs> I mean, let's get it. I, I get that. Yeah. Positions require. But it's not like, at the end of the day, though, like, how, like, 
it's not okay. You know what I mean? Like, I hope I'm not making no, it. No, it's not. Yeah, it's not because it's still deceiving a bunch of people. Like everybody in that whole situation is deceived and everybody in that situation may end up hurt. Like, um, not necessarily physically, sometimes depending on some of the stories I've read and heard, they have been hurt physically and killed, but also emotionally. Yes. Especially in this day and age, it seems almost like it's more accepted. So you would expect more people to leave the DL lifestyle alone. But anyway, we spent enough time on that. Like, that's not your story. So we don't need to touch it. <laughs> we'll be on that till next week. Okay. <laughs> right. So anyway, um, what's a really fun experience that you shared with? Or could it, it could be like a, a trip or a festival or anything. Or just a really fun experience you shared with the community. Actually, this past Thursday, so we have, um, I'm a promoter, okay. um, and we host events in Houston on Thursdays and Sundays, um, and we had an LGBT cipher, so Houston had some, like, really talented um, LGBT rappers, and we did, like, a showcase. Um, some of them already have songs out, so the ones that did have songs, that we, they performed their songs, and then um, they did a type for kind of like the BET Hip Hop Awards, where they where they give you a beat and they freestyle. <clears throat> that was a really really fun experience because it it got it allowed them to showcase their talent. A lot of them said nobody's ever given them a platform, you know, to really showcase themselves. Hmm. Um, and everybody had a really good time. Like, I just remember, like, the crowd being super, super hype. And it was almost like we were at a regular concert somewhere. Um, and so I think, like I said, that was, like, really, really fun. It was an experience that I think we're all, to, everybody that was involved and everybody that was there would take with them for a long time. Because... Um, the crowd was hype. Everybody was interacting. It, it was just a really, really good time. That was the most fun fun that I've had um, in a long time. It was in the club in a long time. That's awesome. Sounds like it was really empowering to people also. It was. It really was. It, it was a, good, a great experience, actually. Okay. Do you want to... Um tell us more about the location of that or you'll tell us a little bit more about that later? Yes, because so it's at, it's at Hamburger Mary's, um, which is currently in Montrose, but at the beginning of the year, we're moving to a new location. Um, so I don't have the information on the location yet, but look out for that. Okay. Um, I'll um, be posting it, you know. Sounds good. And maybe when we can have you back to tell us about just spe- uh, specifically about the grand opening. Of course, of course. Okay, so we talked about a good moment. What is a very significant, life-changing moment um, that you've experienced so far? Um, oh, I had a one of my best friends, mm-hmm. well, our yeah. best friends, Passed away from cancer, and that's that, that probably is the most uh, aside from my mom passing away. But this that was when I was thirteen. I'm now thirty seven, mm. 
want to be here anymore. Um, but you don't, you don't understand. I don't think you understand until later. You don't really have a, an understanding of that. You know what I mean? You just know that they're not going to be here. You don't know how life-changing it is. So I, I think that was very impactful because it made me look at things a lot differently. Um, and it, it, it was life-changing, of course, because you know life will never be the same. Right. But um, like I said, I think that it, at the age that it happened for me, um, it was just very impactful. Just, just knowing that you'll go the rest of your life, however long you're here, without that person. You know, kind of just having your memories and stuff. So I would say that was outside of my mom when I was younger. Met for for a moment that is recent, and that um, I fully understood the severity of the situation or the impact that it was going to have on my life, it would be my, yeah, it would be him passing away. Hmm. <sighs> I, I agree, unfortunately. I, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I know, um, like I said, I, of course, I was 13, and you don't realize when you're that young, you're sad, and you know what you know about it, <clears throat> but you don't realize the severity of or the impact that it has throughout, that it's going to have throughout life as opposed to when you're grown and you've seen it again and and, and know that it's life-changing, especially when, you've, when it's somebody that you were that close with. Right. And so unexpected, yeah. and they're so young and healthy-looking and just yeah. like happy and unbothered and you know just ready to go at all times so yeah yeah so that's what it was it's just like you see somebody so full of life um decline very quickly right. um unexpectedly and like i like you yeah and that was a good point that you made um it 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 was the how quickly everything happened as well. Right, right. Yeah. Hmm. But, um, yeah. So, aside from that, um, is there anything more that stood out to you? Um, hmm. I just... I think that probably next to that, um, next to the, next to him passing away, the next biggest, well, impactful for me, I was younger, um, and at that time, you know, now, they have PrEP, and they have, um, medicines are much more advanced. And they, at that time, they weren't as advanced. Um, mm. And it was still kind of like something that was not talked about. Like, I feel like now there's a lot more, uh, there are a lot more conversations being had, um, a lot more <clears throat> um, 
arenas where it's being talked about um, in a positive light. Even because, like, if, even when I was younger, it wasn't that it was talked about in a negative light, but it was there was not enough information to be as positive about the outcome of it as we are now. Um, so, I would definitely say behind my friend, our friend passing away, that was the next most impactful thing because, of course, it's it's something that I have to live with daily. Um, and it was life changing. Luckily for me, I was able to turn it into something that was positively life changing. Um, because like I said, as I, when I was younger, I didn't really know how to navigate. So it was always a negative thing kind of riding me, um, kind of on my shoulder. And luckily, I've been, as I've gotten older, I've been able to turn it into something positive and, and kind of see it in a different light. Okay. Um, how did you find out you were HIV positive? <clears throat> so I was, I, I don't, I, I was like doing something one day. I, I think I might have been with my dad and um, we were in the trunk and I remember him like talking to me and me kind of like dozing off, like repeatedly just dozing off and that was not like me. And so I was like, maybe I'm just tired. And then um, I got home that day, I ate and went to sleep. Like slept the whole day. And for the next few days, that's what I did. Dozing off in the trunk. And so my dad asked me if I was okay. Um, I was like, yeah, I'm just tired. Because at that time, um, my group of friends, and you know this, <laughs> we were going out. Like, we were outside. We probably would go out throughout the week from Wednesday to Sunday most of the time. And so I was like, well, I'm going out all the time, having fun, and then getting up for work. I'm just tired. <laughs> and I don't know what the turning point for that was. Um, but I was like, because I did, I never, the, the funny thing is I never, like, <clears throat> actually got sick. Like, I know like, sometimes you experience, like, a fever or flu-like symptom. I didn't experience any of that prior to telling myself to go get tested. I just didn't feel like myself. Hmm. So uh, I had a, um, again, my experience, I'm grateful for because a lot of people don't have the support system that I had initially. I didn't hear you. You said you have a cousin in outreach at the Montrose Counseling Center? Yeah, well, at that at that time she was. Okay. Um, yeah, this was 2007. Okay. And so she was in outreach at the Counseling Center. So I was able to reach out to her and, um, say, hey, I, I need to get tested. So I went to get tested, and I don't know. I really honestly didn't expect it to come back positive because I had been tested the year before, um, and, test, and it was negative. Even though I had, in that time, had unprotected sex between, you know, between the, the last test and that test, I was still not expecting that. I, I, I don't know if I was if I was just not expecting it or not wanting it to be that. So 
So I had like a mini panic attack, but because I was with her, I think that it, it, it was it was a lot different than if I would have been with someone I didn't know that didn't know how to comfort me, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, that helped the experience a lot. Um, and I also remember being in denial. I would be like, um, <clears throat> so there was a guy who was supposed to come because they do another test. Okay, so they, well, at that time, they would do the first one. Then they would call you back for a second one, you know, just to be sure. Um, the, he was supposed to meet me at McDonald's uh, to get some information, and then we were going to go and do the second test. So for some reason, he, he the first time, he had to reschedule. The second time that he was supposed to meet, he never rescheduled, he never said anything. So... I was like, oh, well, maybe it was a mistake. That was me being in denial. Mm-hmm. But also in me being in denial, I still was very, very cautious in all of that. Like, I almost didn't want to deal with anybody because I didn't want to have to talk about it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I hear you. So I ended, yeah, I ended up somehow getting my hands on a test. I don't know. If, I don't remember if my, uh, if my cousin gave me another one. Whatever happened, I ended up with another test, and I swabbed myself. And it's supposed to be two lines, and when I did it, it was like one very heavy line, and the second line was almost transparent, but it was still red. So I was like, well, maybe that's why the man didn't, you know, Mm -hmm. um, come back, because it came back that it wasn't right. Of course. That's me talking myself out. Yeah. Um, and trying to be okay with it. But like I said, I also was still moving like like I was positive because I was scared to... That's why I was scared to ever have anybody say that um, or feel like I passed it on to them. <clears throat> but also at that time, just scared to talk about it. So I ended up kind of just saying to myself and I think kind of just building up a wall in dealing with people um I was always people say I was always disconnected and I think that's what the disconnection was um being scared to connect with people because you have to at some point say hey you know what I mean so it's easier to stay away from people or just try to stay away from relationships uh, sexual activity and the funny thing is that I had a relationship or two that um, sex was an issue because I would always have some type of excuse or you know so they, the, the connection was bad because a lot of people even though you're, you get along well and all of that sex is the last thing that makes it a relationship you know what I mean there are people I think that's why I have that are still friends because we became good friends the disconnect was sex and it was because I was afraid to tell them so I was also being very weird about engaging in sexual activity with them you know what I mean so um, for a couple for like a while that was the issue for me because the story does sound like I'm making up a story. <laughs> and so, 
she was kind of like, like I said, she's being sarcastic about certain things. And so I gave her the name. And she was like, oh, well, he's still here. Let me go and get it. And I said, okay. I mean, go get him. As if, like, why would you lie about that? (laughs) Yeah. So it was like, I was like, it was three years ago, but uh, he might remember me, I hope. And thank God he came in and he said, I do remember. He said, I remember, and I know who Eric is, and which that was my cousin. So I was like, you know, it was just time for me to get to a place where I was okay with it. Now, granted, I think I told maybe one or two friends that really needed to know um, at that time that I felt were going to be, that I would understand and not understand as far as not judging me but I think that during that time period because it was still so sensitive the way that my friends are you know this being one of my friends you know that um, they can be uh, I I don't guess I don't think overprotective but they can worry so it's like at that time there wasn't much information on it all they know is that you could get sick and possibly pass away you know what I mean so Mm -hmm. It was, that was a lot to just throw on everybody, but I knew somebody needed to know. Right. So I told a couple friends, um, and then I kind of started on my journey from there. So I think for me, that was the beginning of actually living, uh, actually actively living that way. Like, I started going to gym and just trying to and so for me I think the biggest thing was just staying healthy um and it's funny that people I, I, I the biggest thing that about um, being positive is that I have to take medicine um and that's something that you know you have to do daily for the rest of your life or, or whatever your is. um I don't like medicine. <laughs> I've always been. I don't like the doctors. I don't like doctors and I don't like medicine. Um, so I've always been a person that would like get a fever or like get a cold and just sweat it out. But let me get some Gatorade, stay hydrated, let me get under this cover and sweat it out. So I think for me, that's been the biggest challenge. Um, just knowing that I have to now deal with doctors every three to four months. And (laughs) you know what I mean? Because I've had also not had the best experience with the doctors. Um, I had, so I I initially had a female doctor and I don't remember what was going on, but I kept telling her that I was excessively tired. Mm -hmm. So I was asking her, uh, you know, is that like normal with this? And just asking questions. Her response was, "I don't know your lifestyle." <laughs> and I was, "That's like, not what I asked you." <laughs> so, yeah. And I'm sitting there like, "So you're not gonna ask any questions?" Or... <laughs> so as soon as that appointment was off, I went to the front and I said, "Let me go ahead and um, get me another doctor." Right. Because. <laughs> Cause, and I did get another doctor. She's a little, she's a little bit better, not much. Um, but I feel like, especially with like the, the treatment centers, I feel like 
sometimes like a number. Um, it's just like, well, let's get you undetectable. You know what I mean? So I was like a factory. Mm. Like you kind of build stuff and move it along. And it's like, okay, we got you here. Let's get you undetectable and move you on. Hmm. When I, it, it's a lot more to it than that for me. Um, but that's, that's kind of been my experience with it. I, I, I also do feel like as a black man, I think we, and and you know this, um, and this is a well-known fact. I feel like we should be treated by black doctors because our experience is always different um, when it comes to things dealing with mental health and physical health. Our experiences are just different, and we seem to be treated differently. Yeah, I remember you talking to me to, about yeah, that. So, yeah. uh-huh. And then you ended up getting so I, a doctor that you actually feels like understands and can really like actually really cares right yes and that's what it is you get somebody who understands and who actually cares it's almost like you go into your auntie and just yeah your aunt is your doctor or your you know what i mean so, well that's um, awesome not everybody think, has that for real yeah for real for real and so that's been my the only part um, of the is I know I jumped a bunch because I, I needed to say that. But um, like I was saying, in the ex- in my experience of, of living and dealing with it, I think that initially the, my fear of speaking about it was my own fear. Because I will say that I initially was, um, was like, how did I even let this happen? I was like, mm-hmm. you were smart, like, you have a good head on yourself. It's like, how did you let this happen? So it was a disappointment in myself. And I think I was internalizing that and projecting it. Mm-hmm. So my assumption or the feeling that I had of fear of telling people was them being disappointed or them, um, you know, feeling like, how could you let this happen? So that, I once, once I let go of that um, disappointment of myself, once I, because it's really, it, for me, I don't know, if, I can't speak for anybody else. I think for me, it was me forgiving myself for the situation, for um, allowing this, allowing, putting myself in this situation or allowing myself words and phrases you allowed this to happen yeah that that is bothering me still though honestly that does bother me that you even have to word it that way because it's almost like i'm not saying like yes take responsibility but don't blame yourself you know what i mean and that's yeah i think you may be struggling with that and i don't want you to be you know and so now i'm and the thing is that um and you know that i recently went on to Facebook for World Aid Day and made a post about it. And I think that it was therapeutic for me because I've released those phrases or, mm. or references mm-hmm. um, because it's, 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 a, it's a place of forgiveness. And when you get to that place of forgiveness, you realize that, um, at, at least for me, I'm in a place now of realizing that Sometimes things happen for you and not to you. I guess my second coming out, because <laughs> like I said, I wasn't hiding it. 
but also it's not just something you go around, even with being gay. You don't want to just go around telling everybody, hey, I'm gay. You know what I mean? Like, if you know, you know. Not that you're not proud to be, but it's just not something that you have to broadcast. Um, And I think also when I was younger, as far as, as far as HIV goes, the doctors usually tell you, you know, you don't have to disclose it. And so I, I, I wish they would be more encouraging about disclosing, about telling people. Because right. um, it's, it's not that they tell you to be secretive, but I think in the manner that they tell you, it's almost like them saying, um, oh, and this could just be me. It's kind of like them saying, mm, you don't have to tell people what mistakes you made, or, or but like it's kind of like them telling you to be shamed without saying that. You know what I mean? It's like you have to tell anybody uh, what you did, you and it's like, well, why? Maybe that's I mean? not why? what they mean. Why? Maybe okay. I know. Maybe they're. For other people who who feel that way, I, maybe my guess would just be like, just protect you, like b- basically protect your status because yeah. it could be weaponized against you. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You think that's it's what they true. mean? And I, I'm, I know that's what they mean. Okay, I do now, but okay. at that time. That's just how I it did. seemed. Yeah, I, I hear you. It, it was kind of like to me, well, why be so secretive about it? Right. So, you know what I mean? And, and I didn't realize that it was about the weaponization of them being able to, or people weaponizing it. Yeah. Um, but I feel like, I also feel like when you um, take control of the narrative, then it yes. doesn't allow anybody to weaponize it. Absolutely. You know what I mean? When, when it's your story to tell or, or or you go out and let people know, it's it's not something that, that can be... That, and that's just how I feel. Um, I can't speak for other people. Um, I just feel like that, that was a defining moment for me when I realized that it's some, I, I can still be proud of myself. I can speak about it and not worry about it. Because the thing about something like that is, no matter how positive you are about it or how much you speak about it, you may run into somebody still that will try to recognize it. But hmm. you're in a place where you're, you're proud of who you are. Right. So it, 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 they can't. You know what I mean? So hmm. kind of just like you being able to tell your story and and I, I pray that for uh, for people who are scared or fear um, anyone finding out or who are, who feel alone or don't ha- feel like they don't have anybody that they can talk to about it. Um, I pray that for them that they realize that this is your story to tell. This is your narrative, and you get to tell the story. You don't have to worry about how people are going to receive it. You don't have to worry about if they're going to weaponize it or whatever. This is your story. You're still writing the story and just know that there will be somebody that will be there for you. Right. Definitely. 
a few years back, I was on Facebook and this guy that I went to high school with posted on his Facebook that he's HIV positive and, you know, this, 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 like, you know, he was just proudly sharing his story. And then, yeah. So come to find out, he actually posted again, like the following day or so he posted that the reason he, the reason he did that is because someone broke into his Facebook and was pretty much blackmailing him saying that, Oh, I'm going to out you and tell everybody that, you know, you're, you have HIV and this, this, this. So he was like, you know what? You're not going to do that to me. I'm going to tell my own, um, you know, my own personal business. Yeah, exactly. And I was like, there you go. Like I was totally rooting him on. I was so like, you know, rooting him on until today. He's still living his peaceful life, working, you know, just being, just living. Because what that person was banking on was him being way too scared to do it. You know what I mean? That's terrible. And so he called their bluff. He took, he took control. And so that gives, when you do that, it gives you a sense of strength. And it gives you a sense of pride in yourself. That is not the easiest thing to just come out in. Because you're, you're, not only are you telling it to the people that you don't know, a lot of times your family members are on your Facebook. Oh, and right. I think for me that, I'm not, I, I've never you know me. I've never been big on opinions of strangers. Like, right. I don't even know you. You don't know me. You, you know what I mean? So, it, it, it's the people that you love and that love you. So, it's like, I'm I'm posting on Facebook and I have family members. And, and even with family, you know how family can be a mess, too. You have these that I had talked to about it and some that I had not. 
so when I did post that on Facebook, me, when I initially was thinking about posting it, I was like, and I hope anybody doesn't feel like I didn't tell them and I talked, because you know, sometimes that, especially when you have close friends or close family, um, it's kind of like, well, why had that known before or why had you talked to me? Um, and so I think that was the biggest thing for me about it being received is that I was going to have anybody that I hadn't had a chance to be like, well, how come you put it on Facebook before talking to me about it? And like I said, my biggest thing was um, finding the right time to the, the, the conversations that I did, did have with friends. I felt that the moment presented an opportunity for me to go for it. You know what I mean? Yes. And so with that, with posting it on Facebook, that kind of gave me the opportunity to let everybody know. I, I didn't have to try to wait for a perfect moment with this person or the right moment with that person. It was just like, go for it. And so I didn't know how it would be received, like like I said before, because I didn't know if anybody would feel a way that I hadn't had a chance to actually talk to. Um, and the way that it was received was overwhelming because I had people, even from like high school, and I've had people reach out to me, kind of telling me their story. So it was received uh, with a lot of love and a lot of encouragement, and that helps me to to encourage people uh, when they reach out to me and to let them know. I think the biggest thing that I wanted them to know um, is that you are still capable of being loved and you are not alone. So I, I, I think sometimes even in that, um, you can feel alone only because you are internalizing things and dealing with things on your own. It's not that you're even actually alone. Because I've never really been alone. Um, I've always had, you guys have always had family. Um, but it's, it's just something that you put on yourself, hmm. um, trying to deal with things. So I just wanted to let people know that you're not alone if you feel like it, if you haven't been able to talk to anybody. Um, then just to let them know that I, if I can, if I can, can jump out there and, and tell my story, then you definitely can too, um, in your own time, but don't let fear keep you from it because you never know what, what it, what it's meant to do. Cause mm -hmm. I think, like I said earlier, a lot of times now, the way that I feel about life, a lot of stuff that we do, a lot of the actions that we take or when we pray about stuff and, and are directed in a certain direction, it's not even about us. It's about God trying to do something in somebody else's life. So it's just about getting to that point where you understand that and just know that whatever it is that you choose to do, however you choose to go about it, when you've prayed about it and when you feel good about it in your heart, that that's God saying just, you know, I've got it. You, you do your part, and I'll take care of the rest. So I think that was the biggest thing for me. Wow. Hmm. I think you can kind of gauge, like, the people around you and people that you may deal with that are not really friends. Because sometimes you can have a person who's not really a friend, maybe like an associate or something, that you actually can trust. 
I think it's about gauging people and, and um, the way I tend to gauge how people interact with others and um, the depth of information that they tell me about other people. We all vent to each other like, as friends and family. Everybody, I, I would say everybody that I know vent to each other yeah. about other people from time to time. <laughs> But for me, it's about the depth of the information that you give to a person. It's like you said, you have somebody that says, oh, he's he on my nerves right now, blah, blah, blah. He did this. And and it's kind of like surface level, not giving you too much, but just enough to vent. Right. Just enough to say, I'm having an issue with my friend, blah, blah. I just want to get that. And then you have people that are like, uh-huh, and that type of grandmother, she was sleeping with this person. <laughs> and they, you know what I mean? So it's kind of like, gauging if a person's um, I guess it's a spirit of gossip really because sometimes people don't realize that they gossip and they may not even be doing it to be hurtful or to be or with intention to hurt anyone but it becomes hurtful because you're you're telling information or, or or telling somebody's business that that they told you that they told you for a reason that they wanted to to share with you or wanted to um talk to you about or see how you felt about it and and so sometimes those people are gossipers and like i said it's not intentional but they just talk and so i guess you kind of have to gauge the people around you and you also have to gauge if those energies are energies of protection. Because some people are protective. And no matter what, y'all can fall out and not speak for years. And they would never talk about anything that you spoke of to them that was that personal. Facts. So those people are usually protectors. And they're protectors of all people. Um, so you kind of have to just gauge the people around you. I'm usually pretty good at that. Um so I was lucky with that. I just feel like you, it needs to, when, when you go to speak to somebody about something like that, it needs to be somebody that you've trusted or that you know that you can trust, that you've seen be trustworthy. Um, and somebody that, that can be empathetic, somebody that can be um, comforting. Because even, even in telling people certain things, sometimes it's kind of like, okay, they don't they don't know how to react. Not not that um, <clears throat> not that it's not important to them, but some people are just kind of like unemotional, or, or, or when it comes, or, or, or don't know how to react to certain things like that. I think that's important too. Because it kind of sets the tone for the way that you talk to other people about it from that point. You know what I mean? So yes. you talk to the first person and it's kind of like, okay, that was awkward and weird. And not perfectly, but it happens. Talk to the wrong you person. May go, you may be, yes, you may be kind of, um, it, it, it kind of may deter you from talking to anybody else about it. Mm. So just, just look at gauge the way that people interact in conversation and the way they respond in conversation. 
Um, because that first interaction may set the tone for how you go about it in the future. And if you have a good experience that first time, it'll probably encourage you to be more open about it. You know what I mean? So I, I would just say try to talk to someone that you've had experience in as far as trust and as far as um, comfort in talking to them, ease of talking to them, um, that type of thing. Okay. Okay. Our friend passing away. Mm. I think that was um, life-changing for me spiritually because <clears throat> I really had to I really had to tap into my spirituality to first even begin to um, figure out how to navigate being okay. Mm. And then also I started to realize like spiritual connections with people or like soulmates and that type of thing. Um, this being positive has also made me a more spiritual person. And I'm speaking for myself. I feel like even in these types of situations, I have my mindset and my view of things that happen now that nothing happens to me. Things happen for me. Hmm. And so anything that I, that I may be deterred from or anything that I, as we look at as not working out or not going the way that we wanted it to, it's really, that's really not what it is. It's not going the way that it's supposed to so that the things that are for you will be for you or the route that you're supposed to take, you will take. And I feel like sometimes God has to do drastic things in order to direct you in the direction that you're supposed to be going, because otherwise you would not go in that direction. It's almost like, and and I don't want to use that, because it's not, um, let me see. It's almost like... It's almost like God forcing a person to get, well, not God, but a person getting fired from a job that they're complacent at when they have a business that they yes, can... Yes, because otherwise you would not quit. And it's kind of like you going down the road that you insist on going down. And so then when you get there, there's like a barricade and, and you, you literally cannot go down that street anymore. You don't have a choice. And so I feel like those are the type of things that I, that's the way that I view. Cause I don't, I don't view anything as a loss anymore. Um, and I don't mean like, I don't mean like as far as people. Um, I mean like like you said, being fired. I don't I don't see any of these things as losses anymore. I see them as redirections <laughs> in the route that you're supposed to be going because you're we we're literally a lot of us are are um, human are we are creatures of habit. Mm. We get used to something. Um, and we just go with it. You know what I mean? And so sometimes it has to be like something extreme that redirects us. And I feel like I feel that um, my story is the, the things that I'm going to do and that I have to do don't have anything to do with me. Um, 
And so I know that God has something that he has to do, he has to use me to do. And so that's why anything that I deal with, anything that I go through, I'm confident that there is a good reason for it. I'm confident that there is something that he's trying to do. So I'm, I, I keep moving. But what I, what I have started to do is, I think when I was younger, I would keep moving without allowing myself, because I, I, even, even in that, sometimes you still have to process things emotionally. And so I think when I was younger, I was just tough about everything. So now, even though I do know that things happen in the way that God, God wants them to, it doesn't negate the fact that you can be emotional about them sometimes. Mm. You can mourn things. You can be sad about things for those moments, at least until you process that. And then, you know what I mean? Because it's kind of like, even though you know certain things had to happen or are going to happen, it doesn't mean that you don't feel an emotion tied to them. Anything that I didn't like, I was crying about. And I think um, in a lot of black households, I can only speak for our um, experiences. As a as a boy, a young boy, that that is very emotional. You get reprimanded for being a crybaby. Oh, that's um, in every household. White, um, Asian, African, every household has that. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think that that that's something that stuck with me that mm-hmm. I'm finally letting go of is that um, you, you feel what you feel, so feel it. And because if you don't allow yourself to, then you become emotionally stagnant and you become um, just disconnected. Right, and your emotions start coming out in different ways. Yeah, and so that's like, it's natural. So feel those things and work through them and then you're able to move on in confidence. Um, You know what I mean? So those things have been big. For, for me, um, spiritually, just believing in purpose and processing emotion and hmm. understanding bigger pictures. Mm. Mm. I hear you. Um, you said you mentioned soulmates earlier. What's your experience been with that? And what do you think about that? My experience has been... <laughs> Awesome, actually. Um, <laughs> you said often? Yes, because it's awesome. Oh, okay. Because, nice. Yeah, <laughs> just because I believe friends are soulmates as well. Mm. And I have, um, you being included, I have friends of 20 plus years, some friends. For real. Um, and, it's, and, and I think a lot of people say how it's hard to find good friends and it's hard to do this and hard to trust people and I'm just like I've not had to experience that very often like I have people around me who have to be we have to be so connected to have <laughs> have friendships this long and, and <laughs> understand each right. other like you know what I mean totally so, I, I, I can't help but believe in soulmates Hmm. That is so that like that's totally interesting because I've never even thought of soulmates that way. And what you're saying mm-hmm. is actually the definition of soulmates. 
from my understanding, yeah. a soulmate is a person that helps you better yourself, pretty much. But like, and understand who you are more and help you like open parts of yourself you don't know exist. You know what I mean? Is that what a soulmate is? Yeah. Yeah. I also heard though, you never end up with your soulmate. That's what I've heard. And, and so I have heard that as well. Um, it's so many different things that I've heard when it comes to that. Cause then I've also heard that you end up with, the you have different soulmates and the one that you end up with is based on the work that you do to yourself or the the healing that you do and stuff like that. So it's so many different mm. stories about it. Interesting. Um, <laughs> I feel like it's possible to I, I think I, I, I feel that that that's somewhat true. Um you kinda end up I think a lot of people don't really do the work to heal um, from from things, um, and they settle. Sometimes people settle to be with somebody, hmm. and so I feel like if you really do the work and if you really are authentic um, about who you are and what you and, and those things, I do feel like you will end up with a soulmate. Um, and I do believe there may be multiple soulmates. I've heard that. Um, so, I mean, it's just, we could actually go on and on about that. There's so <laughs> many different, <laughs> so many different stories tied and connected to that. But I do believe in that. I feel like you eventually find a person that you're meant to be with. Um, hmm. That's, yeah, I, I, I wonder if like the spiritual term for a soulmate it's like a destiny helper. Have you heard of that term before? Yeah. I have heard of it. Yeah. Um, it, it, and, and that's the thing. If God has something that that that's set out for you to do, mm-hmm. and there's a person that's connected to that, that he did y'all together, you best believe y'all will be together. And that's, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I, I, I've, I've gotten to the point that I know that we don't have any control of anything down here. There you go. I feel like, um, I feel like we, I, what I do feel like is that there are different ways, different outcomes that we can have. Mm. And it, this is a weird way to, 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 to say this or, or get this point across, but you remember Goosebumps, like the little show that you Yes. Said? Yes. So <laughs> the Goosebumps book, used to have alternate endings mm-hmm. that you could go and read choose your own fantasy or pick the different endings <laughs> I relate that to life because I feel like your choices there are multiple destinies or paths that we can take ultimately the choices and decisions you make determine which one you're going to end up on or where you're going to go so that's how I feel I feel like there is a pre destined type of situation for everybody but there are multiple outcomes and it's based on the decisions and the choices that you make which place or destiny you end up or what role you end up on right so that's how i feel about that um i agree i do believe we're destined to do some things but it's also dependent on like i said we don't control it but we can, we do control our choices. So those choices 
kind of determine which path it is that we end up on or where we decide or where we end up going. Right. Man, it's like uh, sometimes you just want to like flip to the last page or flip to the middle, but it's like, okay, you can't do that. <laughs> and see what's going on. <laughs> right? <laughs> Too funny. So do you feel as if you, um, well, to an- I can answer that question because you already have. You said you have met your soulmates because you feel as if your friends are your soulmates. Some of them. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, I do. Um, <clears throat> I do. I believe in friend soulmates. I believe in partner soulmates and twin flames and stuff. But I, I, I absolutely believe in all relationships there is a soulmate. There are soulmates um, that speak to different parts of you, that um, bring out different parts of you, that, that um, heal different parts of you. And so, yeah, I, I truly believe that. Okay. So what's a relationship red flag for you? A re- for me, a relationship red flag is um, one, not allowing me to be myself. Um, I think another relationship red flag is I believe that um, in like the love languages, I think that sometimes we try to force, instead of loving people the way they want to be loved, we try to we try to force them to receive love the way that we receive love. And I mean, in the mm. manner of, just say, if we're going by the love languages, just say that I like, and this is not my actual love language, but just say that I like to receive gifts. And <laughs> That's my love language. <laughs> And I'm dealing with somebody that, uh, what is it, touch. I think it's physical touch. Mm -hmm. So rather than me um, giving them love the way they receive it through physical touch, however, they like hugs and kisses and stuff, I'm buying them gifts. And Mm. and trying to force them to, to, to see that that's the way that I feel love. Trying to force them by willing to love you the way that you need to be or the way that you require it to be. They're trying to force their idea of love on you or, or what makes them feel love. And that's a red flag because that's not going to work. Right. And that um, can also let you know that possibly that person is controlling and doesn't listen or hear. It's not, you know, yes, communication yes. is a problem, will be a problem. Exactly. Okay. What's so another that's, one? That's definitely a red flag. What's another red flag? Or those are your two that stand out to you? Those are the two standouts. Um, I think another one is a person that doesn't really have any long-standing relationships. Um, and I don't mean like um, romantic. I mean a person that doesn't have any outstanding friendships, even relationships with family. Because it's like sometimes you can have cousins that are like best friends. It doesn't have to be, but like, I need you to have somebody. <laughs> that you know what I mean like right. somebody that's that's been around you that 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 can vouch like for you yeah I need you to have some relationships that have lasted mm. um because mm. if not it's it's that kind of like um when people say it's 
this other people and not me. Mm-hmm. Oh no, baby, I'm <laughs> I got to go on home because I ain't gonna be able to do it. Because <laughs> I was, you know, like, yeah, no. <laughs> so yeah. that's a red flag for sure. Like people that don't have any, and like I said, it could be a, your mom, your sister, your cousin. I don't care who it is, but you got to have at least got to have got to. <laughs> that you would probably experience a person like that. Um, and that type of person would probably burn a lot of bridges and just, yeah, that's the, that's their characteristic probably. And then to be quite frank though, if they only have one friend, that one friend might just be as trifling as they are. So they might need to have at least like four friends, (laughs) at least four. Uh, for more than five years. Oh, yeah. Okay, really, we walked that at the 10-year mark, but more than five years. But I'll take, I, I will take five, <laughs> but I, I really need you around here. You know. <laughs> right. We're spoiled because we're at the 20-plus-year mark. Not everybody. Yeah. And, and you know then, what? Yes. Uh, we have other friendships that are not far behind. For so real. Like, yeah. Exactly. Because we're like almost right. 25 years in the game. Yeah, but, so, mm. don't, don't come around here with that Wendy Williams shit. <laughs> you know what, though? <laughs> with that what? <laughs> Wendy Williams. <laughs> friendships then and friendships now are, like, you can't even compare. Like, you know, like, when we first met and I, as, like, our friendship was progressing, a lot of friendships are yeah. not even like that. It's like, it's fake now. You know what I mean? These people are just here to take selfies with each other. They don't know what friendship is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, it's, I think the the catalyst for that change has been social media. Mm. Um, a lot of stuff now is for show. Um, hmm. And a lot of those, not that you can't meet people in, a, in your adult years and build great friendships. But I think um, the the requirements are different hmm. um, when you're older. As for when you're younger, it's just like, oh, this is my friend, and y'all grow up together. Hmm. Um, so there was never really any, per se, requirement. Y'all just liked each other. You know what I mean? Like, this is just like my friend. Yeah. My friend is awesome. And now it's kind of like, Oh, uh, when you get older, it's kind of like, oh, well, I make this on my own. I don't want friends who don't have this or friends who don't have that or friends who can't do this or who don't like that. As for when you're younger and y'all grow up, it doesn't matter when you're older if your friend is uh, a janitor or a doctor or this or that. Because it's your friend. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's the person you love for who they are. As for when you get older, especially now, and you're in adult you now it's a lot of it is based on what people do or what they have or who they are. Um, and I don't mean who they are as far as characteristic-wise. I mean who they are as far as what they can do. Status-wise. they're going, who they are around. You know what I mean? So, so basically everybody... Back then, friendships were pure and like based on just genuine. I like you, you like me. Let's be friends. But now, friendships yes. are more like calculated and strategic. Yes, 
They are, especially because they are, because it's, there's a lot to gain sometimes from, from especially now with social media and being able to do stuff together on YouTube and do this and do that and make money from this. And so, so friendships are a collaboration um, would, now, not even really a relationship anymore. It's a collab. It's like a business collaboration, just straight up. Yeah, they're collaborations. <laughs> collaborations. <laughs> Dang. Hmm. So basically, people that are in this world out here looking for friends, like a, a like a you know hold hands and swing in the park type of friends, like that that stage is passed. Not gonna happen, Pooh. Right, and that's why Not I also happen. told a family member of mine years ago, bro. I stopped accepting friends. Like, I'm good with the ones I got. You can't meet anyone's like this. I'm good. The ones that are, like, people aren't even, like, people aren't how they used to be. Like. They aren't. They really aren't. you know what? I think, luckily, because I do have a few few friends that I've met later in life. Me too. I'm not going to lie. Shout out to Melissa. (laughs) They just happen to be, like, great people. Um. But I I think that that's rare now. Um, it's I, I think it also comes with being authentic, right? Because, exactly. Um, the social media age has made people inauthentic. Um, and all of this, like all of a lot of stuff, is smoking mirrors. So when you're authentic, you still most of the times are going to get authentic people or. Uh, you know, it, it's going to be a reciprocation of authenticity. So you do exactly. find some people, but when you're inauthentic, then you're going to get that. You're right. still going to get it regardless from time to time, but when that's what you are in general, then that's what you're going to get. Attract. That's what you'll attract. Yeah, that's what you attract. It's inauthentic. inauthentic. And so, hey. Had a friendship that taught you a lesson. Like a person that taught you a lesson. Yes, um, a friendship that taught me that compatibility does not, I mean, love does not trump compatibility. Um, hmm. I had a friendship and we we have love for each other. We love for each other, but we're not compatible in the way that we see things. We're not compatible in the way that we go about things. We're not compatible in relationship and friendship um and i say it does i say love doesn't trump that because like i said we love each other but we cannot make the friendship work because we're not compatible so we have to love each other and and continue you know on but it's not something that we can make work hmm that's unfortunate so yeah that's that's the biggest thing that I've learned um, from a person or you know a friendship is that you have to be compatible to make it work. Hmm. Hmm. Compatible. So compatibility, as in like, yeah, like the same food, have the same attitude about things. Compatibility, as in, um. Compatibility as in the way that you approach life. Compatibility as in the way that you um, 
experience life, compatibility in things that interest you. It's and let me just without going like too deep into it, it's kind of like if I'm a person who is a free spirit, um, and I believe in letting people be themselves. I don't believe in forcing people to try to be what I want them to be and that type of thing. But on the other hand, you have a a person who is controlling and needs people to do things their way and the way that they want them done and and that type of thing. Mm -hmm. Y'all are not compatible. The two spirits are completely different. And that's never going to work because if what the things that you need are are not going to be pleasing to the other person. So as as what one person needs for you to allow them to be free and allow them to be themselves, this person needs to be in control of everything. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that's what I mean about compatibility. It's much deeper than oh, we both like mm-hmm. Martin. we both like R&B music it's compatibility in personality traits and characteristics Mm. and I guess that's the most important that's one of the most important huh it's probably the most because it's like you can love somebody love 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 them but even in even in things like with a relationship, compatibility I, or what I consider to be a person who does want kids and doesn't want kids. These are mm. these are for those two people non-negotiable. I want kids. I don't want kids. Our love for each other is it, not going to trump that because. We're not willing to negotiate negotiate on me not wanting kids and you wanting kids. You you see what I'm saying? Like, Mm -hmm. there are some things that you really have to be compatible when it comes to that type of thing. So, that's what I mean by compatibility. It's it's, It's deeper than the surface type of thing. Surface type of compatibility. Um, I think that we never really, that we negate to look at that are very important. Mm. Makes sense. My advice would be to be authentic. Um, I know a lot of times, especially younger, when you're just coming out into the community, um, a lot of times putting on airs and, and wanting to be perceived as something I think the best thing that you could ever do is to be you. Um, wherever you are at that time in life, be that. Because it, it, it allows you to... It allows you to be present. It allows you to be um, intentional. But what is the word? It allows you to... I can't, and I cannot get the word, but what I'm trying to say is mm-hmm. it it um it deletes any delusions that you may set because I feel like sometimes um the people become delusional <laughs> and they kind of view things in a light 
that's that's like that that's not what they are, if that makes sense. So this kind of allows you to be okay with where you are in life and know also that progression comes with with moving forward and progression comes with um with with growth, not really with age, because you can age and still be uh, an old fool, but um, progression comes with growth. But you have to be honest in stages of your life um, in order to progress. And so it's, it's just like you need to be present. You need to be the person that you are at every stage in your life so that you can be honest about how um, to get to the next stage and what getting to the next stage looks like. Um, I think that you should also be proud of who you are, whoever you are. If, if and, and also try not to look down on people for who they are. Because I know we always have this kind of like masculine, feminine debate and that type of thing. And just kind of whoever you are, whatever you are, embrace that. Um, make the most of it. Um, be proud of it. Be honest about it. And cherish moments in life. Um, cherish people in life. Let people know that you love them. Be vocal about that. Um, be vocal about your self-love. Don't be scared to, to shout about loving yourself. Um, wake up daily with these affirmations, reminding yourself and reminding people around you. And just just know that we all have a a light. Let your light shine. Um, no matter who it may offend, sometimes as long as you're not as long as you're not out here trying to hurt anybody, as long as you're not out here, um, you know, causing harm to anybody, be you. Be the best you that you can be, and do it for you. Because I feel like sometimes we're like, oh, I want to be the best me for the people around me. The thing about doing that is it's, it's a, a great grand gesture, but people are are human and they're not always going to see or appreciate the work that you're doing in yourself. And in that you'll get tired uh, or feel unappreciated when you're doing it for you, that you don't get the opportunity of people not appreciating it. And in that, you're doing the best that you're making yourself the best you can be or doing the best you can for you. That's automatically going to spill over to the people around you. There's no way that you can do that type of work and the people around you not benefit from it. So they're going to benefit from it. But the plus is that you're doing it for you. So you you won't get tired. In high school, I had like really great counselors and teachers. Um... Two in particular, I had Miss Washington and Miss McKinney, and I do still um, still have a relationship with Miss McKinney. Um, they were those were my like as a as a teenager, especially after losing my mom and navigating that. Mm-hmm. Those were great experiences that I'm sure molded me um, into who I am now. So those two experiences were life changing for me, and like I said, I still I still have a relationship with Miss McKinney. So that has been it, it's been um, life changing. 
I agree. She's pretty awesome. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Have any last minute words for the listeners? Um, enjoyed the opportunity to speak um, and tell my story. Like I said, um, I feel like there's power in the ability to tell it yourself. Also, um, I, I just want to say, I guess, like, keep your spirit of faith and your spirit of hope. Like, there's so much going on between COVID and all the stuff we see on social media every day. Don't let life desensitize you. Um, don't let the things going on uh, hinder you or bring about a fear of living. Um, and just love where you are and what you have and the people that you have. Because um, I think we take a lot for granted. And like this, this COVID situation kind of was an outlet for a lot of people. So I think we should just live. And, and that would probably be my ultimate message is to live in love, starting with you, with yourself. Mm. That's a nice message. Well, Travis, thank you so, so much for your time and for your openness and your advice. It was my pleasure, and I cannot wait to follow up with you. I'm assuming maybe next month, whenever the club opens up, that you are working yes. with. Yes. And we should be we should be moved by the beginning of January. Well, the first week of January, actually. Okay. And it's um, what's the name of your marketing group? It's Forever Rebel. Forever Rebel. Okay. Can we yes. find you online right now? Yes. So um, on Facebook and Instagram, it's actually Rebel Shit. Um, and the can you spell it? Spell out shit. There's a yeah. It's R E B E L. And then that shit is spelled S-H-X-T. Okay. On Instagram and on Facebook? Yes. Okay. And you were saying? And, yeah, so that that's the Instagram and the Facebook. Um, you have merchandise? We do. And we're actually uh, working on new merchandise that should be released late January or early February, but the, the the merchandise that we have had is available to see on either page. Um, we'll probably do a few more releases of the things that are up there now and then some all new stuff as well. Okay, so I can get on Instagram or Facebook and look up Rebel SHXT and yeah. purchase T-shirts or anything on the website, on the sites? T-shirts, hoodies, and some sweats. Okay, awesome, awesome. Uh, okay. Is there any other place you can we can find you online? I do have Twitter. It's <laughs> Rebellious. It's all one word, and it's H-E-Z 
rebellious. All one word. Okay. Sounds good. Do you want us to um, look you up on Facebook, or are those pretty good? Those are a good start? Yeah, those are a good start. Okay, sounds good.